Welcome, everybody. It's Tracy here with the Everybody Counts podcast. We have another special edition for you this evening. I'm here with uh, some special guests, some of my friends from Twitter and social media, fellow Bosch super fans. You've heard from some of them before, but this is the first time we've been together collectively as a group. So we're really excited about sharing with one another, asking each other some questions, and just digging in to some good Bosch content. I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a minute, but I put a teaser out on Twitter what we're talking about this evening is we're shining light on some of the family members uh, in the Bosch series that have lost someone to homicide. So sometimes we get to know those family members better than others. So we're going to kind of see what we know about the different folks here. Sometimes they even end up helping solve the case. Some some are more vengeful than others. You know, you just you never know with each person. But it's, so it's a tough topic. But but we just wanted to make sure we put some attention on them as well. And especially because we have an interview at the end with Richard Brooks, who played Dwight Wise, and he definitely was at a big loss when his son Gary died. So we got to know him over two seasons, and in our interview, he shared a lot of great insights and I, I just really thought that was very interesting to go through his character with him so I thought as a group why not go through some of the other characters and see what we felt like maybe they were were feeling so let's let our panel introduce themselves we'll start out with Anne hi I'm Anne and your question Anne if you could be if you could be any character on the Bosch program past present which role would you like to play that is a hard question. Um, <laughs> I would love to be Grace Phillips. There you go. Okay. I think, I think she's a really outstanding character, and I, I would, yeah, I would love I would love to get my teeth into that role. Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. And then we have longtime listener and super fan sister teacher. <laughs> your question would be: What's been your favorite season so far? I still love season two. Okay. I think Season two is my favorite season. Well, that's when, you know, I'm team Jerry and my name is Viva. So uh-huh. we said Viva Las Vegas because I really ever hear my name. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah. it's just interesting, all the different dynamics of season two. So that's still my favorite season. A lot of tough stuff in that season two. So yeah, you're right. All right, Kelly, we're going to ask you, is there a character you would not like to play oh, from Bosch? Gosh. Who would that be? Man, I love all the characters. Let me think. Gosh, I can't think of anybody. I love all the characters. I'm guessing you love all the good characters. There's yeah. a lot of baddies too. So, yeah. Um, do you uh, think you could? Cooper. I think. Oh, Cooper. there you go. There you go. Yeah, pass on Cooper. Yeah, we don't need any more attention on him, right? Exactly. Um, I gotta plug that for Jay. You know, he just yeah. can't stand can't Cooper. United on Cooper. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, Mike. Yes. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Mike is doing the daily trivia. So a question for you, Mike. What is one of the hardest what is one of the hardest trivia questions you've ever come across for Bosch? Hardest trivia question. It doesn't have to be super specific, but was it like about a song you do sometimes with songs or was it with a line? And I'm coming slowly because I'm not in the jazz but a lot of the times i'll just take like hey that song was in this part of the show so let me try mm-hmm. to promote that episode sure. or this part and then what i've been doing lately is putting articles with the artist that has like my daughter came across an article from an upcoming trivia question like, okay gosh <laughs> maddie's girlfriend boyfriend from season six and oh yeah okay fred morgan 
So oh. my daughter actually found a Fred Morgan that was actually a musician and a repairman of instruments. So oh. an article, so I'm going to share that once when the answer gets revealed. So. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you really dig deep. I, I appreciate that. That's uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> make it hard some days. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the sign of a true fan, no doubt. All right. Well, we're going to kind of do a roundtable. We're going to, we're assigned, we've assigned ourselves to some different characters and we're going to just refresh everyone on what season and what kind of the circumstances were. So I'm going to kick it off with Dinah Schuyler Rousseau. So this was in season five and Dinah Schuyler, married name Rousseau, I suppose, was Danielle Schuyler's little sister. And Danielle Schuyler was a victim of Preston Borders. So we went through the whole habeas hearing, or we started to, it actually got cut pretty short. But Dinah was young when this happened, this tragedy happened to her sister. And this is when we got some of the black and white footage of Bosch and Ryan Rogers when they were younger, working the case. I think it was pretty early on in Bosch's career. And, you know, Bosch assured her and the family that they got the guy. And then she even Dinah even kept after Ryan Rogers to get the pendant, which we know was a pivotal piece of information that ended up being planted, moved by uh, Chief Irving. Of course, that was another big discussion. Um, but she, that, she wanted to wear that pendant, you know, to honor her sister. That was very special to her sister. And, and we do see her on screen with that pendant. She even comes to the station when she hears that the case is being reopened and looked at and contacts Bosch and wants to know what's going on. So she's kind of, she's the one from the family that we really see or, or hear from on this case. So my question to you all, you know, she's pretty persistent. She talked to Ryan, you, you know, long time trying to get that pendant and she's come and followed up with Bosch. She shows up at the courthouse when they're going to have the habeas hearing. And, you know, so she's very obviously invested in this. So it's pretty simple question, but I just want your opinion. How confident do you think she was in Bosch? Like, was it more of, we've got to get through this, this is upsetting, this is reopened, but I know that Detective Bosch got the right guy, I just, you know, I need this to be resolved again, or do you think she had some doubts when it was reopened? So you can jump in, anyone that wants to, uh, when you have a, an opinion. I think she wanted to be confident, but I mm -hmm. think she was afraid to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. how I how I took that. That makes sense. Um, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone else agree or get another vibe from her? I just think also with her confidence, the stuff that may have been surrounding Detective Bosch, right? And how okay. Harry has gotten in trouble or questioning him, like as this rogue cop, did he mm -hmm. do something that was corruptible? Right. Where her closure, she would no longer kind of have closure. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. my sister's killer is in jail. Is he yeah. going to be released? I, I think that was another thing, too. Right. That's a good point, that his his integrity was, was being questioned. It wasn't just a matter of belief. Good point. All right. Anybody else have thoughts on Dinah before we move on? I really see the doubts when she showed up at the courthouse. But when she met with him earlier at the, at, at the station, she kind of had you know, confidence in him, but you kind of saw it shaking when they were going into the courtroom. Okay. Yeah, she was looking more nervous. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's move on to Mike. Can you talk to us about Ramona Nice? Ramona Nice. This one. Remind us who the victim was, just for people who may not remember the name. Sharky. Sharky. Thomas. Yes, Tom Sneeze, Sharky. Mm -hmm. This one was difficult all around because of the fact that, you know, Brayton Barrel caught the case. They call him up, they call up Bosch to come down, take a look at the bodies. So right away, mm -hmm. get what his reaction to that is. And then. And the start of the next episode comes around, 
you got Creighton Barrel making next to kin notifications, Bosch going to see the body in the morgue. And Bosch was trying to get information from him because he possibly saw something when he was tagging under a bridge at the beginning of season three. Mm-hmm. And so so you get the you get all the feels. You only meet Ramona Nice in one episode when Bosch was looking for Thomas or Sharky. Mm-hmm. To get information, she was kind of like, you know, dismissive. Well, I doubt he's going to be around. You know, he's constantly mm-hmm. running away since 12, takes money, takes mm-hmm. off. And then when she gets the news from Creighton Barrel, what really tugs at your heartstrings is uh, Barrel yeah. taking off the hat right at the mm-hmm. front, plus the song that they're playing. Yes. Um, going home, I made sure mm-hmm. you know, that didn't help the fact either. Cause <laughs> right. You see Ramona getting the news delivered to her that Sharky's been killed, murdered. And then you have Bosch at the morgue checking over the body and seeing the, the slash marks on the body. Yeah, yeah, it's really tough. And then later on in the season when she stops by to pick up the that were sent to Bosch from the youth home for mm-hmm. that he was staying, you know, she kind of gets pulled back into it a little bit, looks at the Dune book, and it's like, oh, he loved the sandworms, you know. Mm-hmm. The connection is still yeah. there. See the pain mm-hmm. still emanating even episodes later obviously so mm-hmm. with anybody that would be the case though too. sure so. and then the the watch right she he well, had his watch. grandfather's watch and i remember her really being surprised you know like oh this really meant something to him you know because he hadn't sold it at some point right right well i think it's important that you mentioned the music and barrel and taking off his hat it was, almost had a little a bit of a retro feel to it because of the the way he was dressed and just sort of the lighting and everything. And then that song, it just, when I think about Bosch and my heartstrings just really being yanked on, that scene definitely comes to mind. So it was just, yeah, it was just so tough. Anybody else have something they want to mention about Ramona losing Sharky? Um, I, I just think before everything, what we don't know is what kind of, they had a little bit of a strained relationship, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't know the history of it. Right. We don't, right. yeah, we don't know the extent no. of it and all the background. Yeah. Which kind of leaves you wanting for a little bit more, you know, so that, that's a good point. All right. Well, sister teacher, how about you're up? This is a, this one has been through several seasons and is going to affect Harry forever. It's been a huge part of the show and of what makes Harry who he is. Talk about Harry losing his mom. What did you want to share with everyone about that? Well, Right. I think it was, it's been up to maybe four seasons, like it kind of back and forth. But you first hear about it in season one when Honey Chandler, when he was in court and Captain Pounds gave him information how his mother was, you know, a a prostitute and like Mm -hmm. making him look bad. But one thing I can say is that Harry always loved his mother and Mm -hmm. he think that his mother just felt that was the job that she did to kind of take care of him, you mm-hmm. know, even when he has the memories, it, it was like, my mother was taking care of me. My mother yeah. loved me. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think he ever doubted that. Right. But the impact of when she, that she was murdered. Like it's mm-hmm. not that she just died and he was just on this, this plan really that he was going to find her murderer. Mm-hmm. Right. So we see that going back and forth through the seasons, but also how it impacted him when he was in McLaren um, mm-hmm. even going back to Sharky, like when he took Sharky 
yeah. to the youth uh, shelter, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't explain everything to Sharky, but he kind of understands. Mm -hmm. But he Sharky had, right, Sharky had a mother, you know, his yeah. mother wasn't there. That's, you know, part of that reason. But I think he kind of wanted to try and save all that he can. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what he went to find out who murdered his mother and I think I, we were all kind of shocked that it was Bradley Walker. Yes. Yeah, it kind of snuck up on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? And But I think maybe in season three, where we were getting a whole lot of details, but how he snapped at his mother's old friend when she wanted to tell him. Yeah. Like, I'm like, and I wanted to say, Harry, you need to be appreciative. So, but he was, <laughs> that hurt. I, it's I, I so mean, emotional. Yeah. You know, his heart still needed to heal. Mm -hmm. But, and I sure enough thought he was going to beat Bradley Walker up when they were in those <laughs> tunnels. He was just going to leave him with something. And yeah. I don't know what discipline, you know, right. just hold Bradley Walker's attitude, mm -hmm. you know, his arrogance. Like he didn't yeah. seem remorseful. It's like she was just a filthy whore. Right. But it didn't matter what anybody said. Harry loved his mother. Absolutely. Um, Harry loved his mother and. He respected her, I want to say, as a woman. He yeah. did not look down sure. at her because of what she did. Sure. That's a very good point. And I, I kind of think that with Her with Jerry being there with him in the tunnels, he's he's a support system to Harry. And I think that, yes. I mean, he, shows, he showed amazing restraint, no doubt. Yes. And I think still would have if Jerry hadn't been there. But I've also got to think that that may have helped having Jerry there and having his back. But but I, I also want to say for him to catch Bradley Walker, I guess this is show how much of a fan and how much I watch it. He did the same move with Bradley Walker that he did when he went to get the uh, other Green Beret when he caught him on the island. Um, when oh, they killed right. him. oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He did where he threw something somewhere else. The distraction. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did the yeah. same thing with Bradley Walker. That's so. interesting that you brought that up. And of course, several of you are, are wearing your Everybody Counts or Nobody Counts t-shirts and and certainly i i feel like this is you know harry's relationship with his mom and, and people not wanting to or did not caring about her murder or solving it i think that you know is where his credo you know draws from that he truly believes that everybody counts or nobody counts so very good point all right let's talk to ann about another loss for harry also a loss for maddie losing eleanor yeah, Tough that stuff. was a big one. That was a big one. The death of the murder, actually, of Eleanor mm -hmm. yeah. um, was terribly traumatic for both Harry and Maddie for different reasons, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Eleanor comes back into Harry's world as a result of the, mainly the kidnapping that took place in Las Vegas in season mm -hmm. two. That mm -hmm. brought Eleanor and Maddie to Harry's house for a period of time. It got Harry and Eleanor talking about her life and the direction that she wanted to go. And, you know, between the two of them, they discussed her former career with the FBI. And, and Harry basically said, you know, go for it. So, so my point, I guess, is that, you know, when Eleanor gets involved with the FBI, that, that, that's sort of the pivot point that leads directly to her murder. Yeah. I, think, I think in many ways, Harry carried a lot of guilt about, about that. And, mm -hmm. you know, we all know it's so obvious that Eleanor was the love of his life. Yeah. And, you know, and so 
it just for me watching it anyway and I've watched it like a hundred times but it's, it's <laughs> like it's like somebody just reached in and ripped his heart right out of his chest and mm -hmm. so he carries that guilt and and for Maddie Maddie had kind of a different relationship she wasn't the typical child you know she in many ways was often more parental with her parents than her parents were with her if that makes sense yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But clearly here she's, she's barely just gotten back in her father's uh, world. Right. And trying to work on their relationship when she has this terrible, terrible loss. And they, they've gotten so close. And then her death sort of moves them apart again in in some ways and you can see that how sad that makes Harry and how upset he is about that and mm -hmm. she's sort of I think she's trying to figure out is she angry is she sad I mean it's all of those things yeah so I think the two of them um and and I think any of you I know you know I've experienced death in in a, a family member my dad years ago and I likened it to an earthquake because mm -hmm. it, it just takes all of your family relationships and it shakes them up and I think yeah. that's exactly what Eleanor's murder did mm -hmm. Harry was lucky in a way that he could be involved and he could, could um, be a part of the a, an investigation to track these these guys down um, which you know I guess he felt obligated do I think that a lot of that came from guilt mm -hmm. um, but it really it really affected Harry's and Maddie's relationship and I think we see that a lot in season five and and season six yeah so very know, good points yeah so I like I the way you you brought up kind of it you made me think that in a way Harry and Maddie kind of I don't mean it in a negative way, but they kind of fumbled through this grief together. You know, Harry sort of being the lone wolf for so long, and Maddie, like you saying, being a bit more of a parent in some situations than a child. Yeah. At first, Maddie didn't want to respond at all. You know, she was just going to go back to school, but then she's like, what, what is going on? And she had to work her way through it. Well, and I think that your point about, I mean, I can't be the only one who was so shocked when after Eleanor's that that next morning, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. Maddie's in the shower and she's just, oh, she was, that was such a good scene for her. Mm -hmm. And Harry lying on the bed, you know, just staring at the ceiling and then, yeah. boom, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to work and she's going to school. And, you know, I think they were both very good at sort of masking mm -hmm. their grief. And, and other and their anger mm -hmm. uh, which isn't as we know always a good thing you know to sort of displace those feelings and try to pretend like everything is yeah is normal yeah. but but it certainly know, feels natural at some points it feels like you don't know what else to do you know well and sometimes it helps to do normal things mm-hmm because you mm -hmm. want to feel normal yeah so, yeah well, it doesn't always work but Right, right. That's a good point. Well, thank you for, for shedding all that light on it. Let's go to Kelly. Well, I'll start out with Millie and Martin Elias. Okay. Just because it, it's kind of chronological, I guess. Plus, mm -hmm. this storyline is so timely for what we're dealing with today uh, with the George Floyd's uh, issue in our country and I find that kind of interesting of how timely this is. But this is a story 
about the uh, civil rights attorney in season four that is murdered at Angel's Flight. Um, he's a civil rights attorney that has uh, made his career uh, focusing on suing the LAPD for police brutality against mm -hmm. uh, citizens that, you know, want to file suit against um, the LAPD. Millie and Martin, Millie obviously is his wife, Martin his son, and I found this story quite complex, maybe because I'm newer to Bosch, the storyline in and of itself and how it evolves. But I think what I want to point out is how contentious the relationship was of Millie and Martin to the LA Police Department. And mm -hmm. so when it unfolds, find Harry going to their home to inform them that uh, Howard has actually been murdered. Mm -hmm. And they already know about it. In fact, there's, they had actually received a phone call in the middle of the night. Somebody said uh, to Millie that your husband is dead and I'm dancing. I and then Martin, the son, you know, as Harry comes to the door, they're actually quite angry at not only mm -hmm. everybody representing the Los Angeles Police Department. And they allude, allude to the fact that they think that police department is probably involved in eliminating mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I thought was, I, I love the quotes in, in the Bosch series. I, this last season, I wrote down all the quotes that I thought were so cool. Yeah, sure. And one of the things that I thought was so neat, and it kind of takes us back to where we are today in history, and it's the, it's the um, scene where Harry's at the door and he's trying to convince uh, Howard's son that he he's not a part, you know, if cops are involved, Harry doesn't care. He's going to find the killer, whether it's sure. or not. Mm -hmm. And Martin basically says to him, you know, well, I feel it's probably a cop within your department that has killed my father. And uh, Bosch says to him, basically, he says, if it's a policeman that has caused this type of harm to your father, and if I can prove that they did it, he says he's he's a killer. He's not a cop. Right. That mm -hmm. was such a great quote. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's quite a complex story. Millie reluctantly does uh, cooperate with the police department in trying to give them as much information as she can about her husband. She is aware that her husband was actually having an affair with another woman. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just, I just found the, the storyline very interesting. Yeah, there was a lot of depth to it. Yeah, a lot of depth, a lot of complexity to it. I guess my question is, as many cases as Howard Elias tried against the LAPD, I guess my question is, do you think that, you know, his family immediately thought it was the police department that probably had <laughs> something to do with his murder? So my question is, do you think this, this guy himself probably lived in that kind of fear that he was a wanted man by, you know, maybe dirty cops within the LAPD? I don't know. Mm, that's a good question. But one of the first things that comes to mind when, when you say that is, remember, too, that Chief Irving even thought it could be his people. And he told Bosch, you find out what happened, it, you know, whatever it is, you get to the bottom of it. So, you know, there was very obvious suspicions, even among the department, like with, with RHD. But in regard to him being in fear, I, I would think so. I mean, how, the stakes are so high with, with what he's dealing with. I mean, they're, they're, it's, they're powerful um, emotions. There are, um, 
potentially horrible things being done in which we found out from his little audio videotape that yes indeed most absolutely some horrible things were done so it's just yeah I would, I would think he'd have to be kind of looking over his shoulder sometimes because he was a public figure and i think if you're a public figure no matter what reason you have for being a public figure i, th I think it just kind of raises your stakes in general that you know you sh he would be more aware maybe of his surroundings so why would he be riding angels flight so late at night by himself but but we know why yeah. <laughs> but, but but yeah that kind of for someone like him that you know is in the public eye and was about to work on an extremely visible case you know in the media that it was that seems kind of risky to be out on his own what would anybody else think about that question well i i think uh two things one i remember hearing that he at one time was a public defender or oh right um, yeah not a public defender what do you call it? district mm. attorney i don't or i don't know what they call it in california but i think he worked okay. he did public work and they say how he switched sides right? okay mm -hmm. to to going against kind of public people that, mm -hmm. that would definitely spur some fear Sure. And the same person who killed Harry's mother killed him. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right? <laughs> Isn't that? I mean, but he went to the other side but got crooked, you know, with doing certain things. But mm -hmm. um, just being in the crooked, you know, no, what the, no honor among thieves. As right. Guy. Yeah. 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 We've, we've seen time and time again, I think, in Bosch, what money can do to people, you know? Mm -hmm. That's scary. Those are good points. All right. Let's talk to Mike. I was going to start with uh, Hal and Evelyn Meadows, Billy's okay. Meadows parents. Mm -hmm. Because of the fact that you don't see them very, or very much at all. Right. In season three, it's when Bosch and Edgar show up. I don't know if they've been notified at that point, but you know they're there talking to him about how often they've seen them. And they said it was only about once a month. Mm -hmm. Bosch's checks, Billy's checks. He'd stop by, get the money, hot shower, change of clothes. His mom would wash the clothes and you can see how the mom was taking it really hard. I think that's in most cases, you know, mothers always take it hardest, you know, whereas Hal was kind of, you know, trying to be strong, you know, sitting at the table while his wife was talking. But you could really see the pain, you know, it's like you know, he was ashamed of his life, you know, when he came back and it's like where uh, Bosch asked where his medals were, or where the stuff from what he got from the military and she's like well he didn't want it here he thought it was toxic he didn't want to uh, mm -hmm. well, what's the word to infect them oh uh, yeah mm -hmm. yes that's yeah. so, so you don't see much of them throughout that season other than when they were doing the next of kin notification and you see the mother more you know showing them where his room was mm -hmm. so they could look around mm -hmm. there and then show them where the garage was if the case there was anything that billy left behind any clues mm -hmm. and, ideas if we worked with or worked for so but like i said it was more harder for the mom that you can really tell with her demeanor and voice that it was really breaking her up so. yeah yeah it almost seemed like the father was resigned to it a little bit more not that it didn't hurt him but it felt like she was always still having some hope i don't know why he wouldn't you know just come and stay and do this and and, and the father pointed out about his shame you know well evelyn he was ashamed you know and they kind of saw a couple of, you know from a little bit different perspectives and um so i thought that was interesting see crack up or cra not crack up laughing but you kind of see him you know putting his hand to his face you know as they were talking at the table there so you kind of see it hit him a little bit but you know he's trying to stay strong for his wife or oh kind of breaking under the yeah the emotion right 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Anybody else uh, have some comments on what we saw from the Meadows family? Well, I just, I just thought it was terribly sad because, mm -hmm. you know, this, this was her baby and, mm -hmm. you know, she wanted for her son what every mother wants for their child and, yeah. and it wasn't to be. And I think that she may never have given up hope that maybe someday things would turn around. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like I felt like her husband was a little more realistic about, about mm -hmm. the situation. Mm -hmm. but, but he didn't he didn't try to kill her hope. Right? No. Mm -mm. It's a so good point. He allowed her to have it, which I think is 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 a pretty pretty good thing. Did you were you gonna say something, Kelly? No, I'm just I, agreeing with what yeah. Anna's saying. I thought it was a really, you know, sad and tragic. Uh, episode. It was just, I, you know, I worked with veterans who had PTSD, so I could so relate to, you know, what the parents were going through, mm -hmm. how sad it was, and going through his belongings, and, you know, it's just sad. Yeah, yeah. Sister Teacher, have you, I know some of the work you do, have you ever worked with veterans at all? Yes, I have done, I have done inpatient psych work. Okay. So okay. sometimes if they had an acute episode or what may happen, it just go into the terms they do. It, I, I don't know. It's like they serve, right? And you're mm -hmm. proud that they have served. Mm -hmm. But then it's some distrust of whatever happens in the military where some who can use their services may not use their services you know, if they were honorably discharged, like where he thought so much, you thought so much of going in to serve, but then you're saying to your family, who was still proud of you and very much loved you, mm -hmm. but what you did would infect them, right? Yeah. Like it's mm -hmm. some poison or, like, you know, yeah. and we don't, we don't know if his father ever served. Right, because his father right. kind of comes from that era where he was drafted. Uh -huh. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if if that could have been leading to his understanding, kind of what his son was going through. We, you know, we don't know that part. Mm -hmm. But veterans have a, 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 you know, a unique experience. Yeah. I want to say, and sure. he he separated from his family, kind of. Mm -hmm. Although he knew he would come sometimes, but what trauma does. Ashton. Yeah, it, it just can be very paralyzing mm -hmm. and crippling. Yeah, um, for sure. So, well, those are those are good insights. I appreciate that. All right, Anne. Yes, ma'am. I think you're going to talk about Elizabeth and Daisy. Oh, that's to me that that Elizabeth and Daisy Clayton storyline is just like the saddest thing ever. Elizabeth Clayton was a veteran of the military. Mm -hmm. um, she served, uh, she never served in, in combat or, you mm -hmm. know, she served in country, in this country, I guess, stateside. And we meet her in season five when Harry gets involved with the pill mill and that whole thing, goes undercover which he did very well, I, I would have to say, goes to the VA and, you know, he, Harry thinks he's going to kind of take a little shortcut, but they make him jump through some hoops. He ends up in a therapy session mm -hmm. at which Elizabeth is present. So he meets her there and then meets her again when they all end up on a plane out in the desert, you know, for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. 
And that's when Harry finds out that Elizabeth's daughter, Daisy, had been murdered uh, some years ago. And that, you know, Elizabeth was addicted to opiates at that point and probably not terribly present for Daisy. Daisy Mm -hmm. was running away very frequently. And then one time, Daisy never came home. And she gets a call from the police that they found Daisy's body, but they never found her killer. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth, you know, there there's so many threads that, that all sort of weave together in, in this show. And, you know, among them is, you know, Harry's, Harry had military service, you know, he lost his mother to murder. And so he kind of takes Elizabeth under his wing a little bit and gets mm-hmm. her into, into a rehab program that she leaves. Mm-hmm. And he tracks her down and, you know, she basically says, I'm not worth saving. Just don't waste your time. So we don't really see her again until season six. And we see her clean and sober. She has a job. She looks great. She's, and you're thinking, this is, you know, this is great. (laughs) You know, she found herself, you know, Mm -hmm. she's on her way back. But she sees, she sees somebody one day when she's working that she recognizes as having known Daisy when before, you know, before all this terrible stuff happened. He calls Harry, and Harry, who has been digging into, he's been looking at the murder book, and he's been trying to figure figure things out. It, it seemed to me, and I don't know how you all feel about this, but it seemed to me that the closer Harry got to finding who killed Daisy, the the farther down Elizabeth's Yeah, I, it was I think so. Bit, it was as if she had been living all this time until the point where they found she found out who killed her daughter. And once she knew that, it was like closing a book, you know, mm-hmm. she, she was done. And yeah. so I just found the whole storyline to be just terribly, terribly sad. And better still, I think, because there's so many families that are going through this kind of thing all the time and and I think it hit Harry really hard that that scene at the cemetery at the end uh, of season six was just you know heartstrings again you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) really tugging on those so yeah you know I just people handle you know we talked about how Harry and Maddie handled Eleanor's murder and you see the difference between how some people handle it and handle it and, and move forward and go on and heal. Mm-hmm. And then you see someone like Elizabeth who, who just, you know, she fell apart. She was broken and, and it didn't seem like there was anything that was truly going to put her back together again. Mm-hmm. I think any of my friends would say I'm an eternal optimist, you know, maybe even to the point of naivete, but I, I really like the way you, t- I mean, it's really sad, but I think it's very poignant how you talked about closing the book because I just kept waiting for her next chapter, you know, to get better and better, you know, to the, in the story. And it, it the story just ended. Does anybody else have something to say? About? Um, you know, what I, what I keep thinking about that whole episode is, is and it's kind of what Anne said, it was like, by bringing closure and finding the murderer, it forced her to deal with the finality and the reality of Daisy's death. Mm-hmm. Right. She, she just couldn't, she couldn't do that. She couldn't right. accept it. She couldn't deal with it. It was like waiting and wondering was something she could cope with. 
but when Harry brought the reality to her, it's like, it was like the final straw. Yeah. It, broke, it broke her. It's really right. tough. So, um, I, I just want to say, I like uh -huh. um, in season five and six, because I also work through addiction work. Yeah. And just really highlighting the complexities of addiction that, uh -huh. right. It's not just a simple matter, right? It's not yeah. just someone just stopping. And a lot of time, because sometimes I would say to my students, no one grows up and say, oh, I want to be a drug addict. I don't think anyone <laughs> says that, right? Right, right. Um, but the pain and just the emotional pain that people feel, right? But she got to the level where maybe she was working through some of it, but it all came up again in what happened, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's not her just going back to get high, but it went so much where she OD'd and kind of her life yeah. was no longer. And that's the sadness of it. But mm -hmm. addiction is just a very complex issue. Yeah. You know, but I, I think it was important to highlight for people to see this aspect of it right mm -hmm. kind of turn people down but how people can get successful yeah but but what needs to happen to kind of maintain that too yeah i think we missed that piece with one part where she asked him to take her to a meeting mm -hmm. right? yeah that when she punched um her ex-boyfriend yeah. in the face mm -hmm. you, yep. but 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 what happened that she didn't continue maintaining that so right but you're right. We saw several parts of her journey. It's not just a fix, you know, it, it's a journey, you know, and right. unfortunately hers ended the, the way it did. Well, and right. when she walks into that bar and she sits up there and orders the drink and she sits there and looks at it and you're like, yeah. no, 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 right. no, no, right. no, yes. no, yep. just back away, just, just mm. sink. Yeah. And then she, she drinks it in and uh, it was just, yeah, just felt yeah. terrible. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, I know this is some tough stuff, but we got a few more that we sort of want to honor with our discussion, these characters. So let's see. Uh, we're going to go back to Mike. Who else do you have to talk about? <laughs> the uh, Delacroix family. Yeah. Mm. Season one, Arthur Delacroix's bones being found in Laurel Canyon. Yeah. And that was a full season of getting to know the family. Mm -hmm. uh, mom disappeared when the kids were younger, changed her name, married up. Samuel Delacroix just keeps into his liquor funk throughout yep. the years. And then uh, Sheila Delacroix makes life for herself. You know, she's a casting director or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you kind of see different sides of her throughout the season. You know, when if she first sees the starfish, it's like, oh my God, it could really be him. Mm -hmm. And then he's here snooping around Samuel's trailer after Samuel Delacroix confessed to killing his boy. And then at the last episode, when the at the funeral, you know, everybody's hating each other. You know, the Delacroix family all hate themselves for how things went through. But when Bosch was saying, you know, it's not too late to file charges and just give me a call, she's like, I wish I'd never called you people. So it's like, okay, if you never called me, then you would never gotten this closure, you know. So it's mm -hmm. always a for Tat and Christine Waters. Yeah. The box of the donations that I can't remember. Uh, oh, yeah. Trent. Trent. Yeah. Can't Trent, remember. You know, when Trent off himself, Bosch found the box of donations he was sending to the boys to kind of have it for the sins of his past. So, yeah. Christine Waters takes that from Bosch and well, I'll take care of him, you know. So maybe she's trying to make, make up for her past sins, you know, with mm -hmm. even Sheila and 
Arthur and Sam in that position. So yeah, it, it was just a lot of lot of tough stuff. It was. Yeah. It was just, all season long. Every time he thought. Yeah. Okay, yeah. On this other case, no, Sam's conv uh, con confessed to it now, and oh, we got Johnny Stokes in. Oh, never mind. He's you know he cleared him, and then back in jail, and then the ending of the ending of the season where Sam Delacroix tracks down Johnny Stokes and kills, kills him in the basement yeah. of the apartment building. And then Bosch is, you know, talking to him when he's in the cop car. You think this absolves you of anything, you know, type of thing. Yeah. I think this this death, too, I, I may not be remembering everything correctly, but it seems like more unique in that we kept learning more about the circumstances of the death. The death itself was more mysterious. A lot of times we know what happened to this person. We just don't know who did it. Right. And then sometimes we may know who, who did it, and it's a matter of how they're going to catch the person. But this one really did keep unfolding throughout mm -hmm. the season, learning, you know, stuff about the father and, um, you know, the mother and this, everything just sort of unfolding piece by piece. All right, we've got a couple more. Let's talk to Kelly again about uh, Jerry. Okay, so this is this starts at the end of season, season five, and we're talking about his uncle, Antoine Hector, who was murdered in Haiti. So Jerry's mm -hmm. background is his family is from Haiti. Mm -hmm. I think he came from Haiti. And um, we get into the story when Jerry is trying to find out who murdered his informant and his childhood friend, Gary Weiss. Mm -hmm. And that's where he begins watching what's going on and he's watching two two cops that turned out to be dirty which is um marco scenarius right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he you see him in the end of season five where he's sitting in this bar and marco scenarius are meeting with this jacques avril and somehow now this some of this is a mystery to me that i i never figured out so jump in and help me I never understood the connection of how Jerry figured out that Jacques Avril was from, obviously he had a French accent, so he, he figured out that he was from Haiti as well. Mm -hmm. And you see in one of the next scenes where Jerry is going to Jacques Avril's house to question him, to find out what's really going on with him. And mm -hmm. um, the background of Jacques Avril is he was a part he was like a warlord in Haiti. He was a part of the secret police. He was corrupt. And now he's in the United States and he owns all these 7-Eleven franchises that he wants people to think he's, you know, a good businessman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in fact, what he's doing is he's a part of this scheme where they're eliciting selling guns from the LAPD impound. And so Jerry's on the scene trying to figure out who's involved in this and this association with Gary Weiss. And he goes to Jacques Avril's uh, house and he question, introduces himself. And Jacques Avril is obviously very evil. And he's also, he's such a sly fox. Yeah. It's like the guy has, he's got um, eyes in the back of his head because yeah. you know what, no matter where Jerry goes, Jacques Avril or his people has seen Jerry and knows that he's being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is where Jerry point blank asks, asks him, are you the butcher or the, uh, let's see, he asks him if he is the butcher of 
and I'm probably going to butcher this name, Petonville. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh Okay, so he's asking him if he's this butcher from Haiti, and did you kill my uncle? And he says, well, who is your uncle? And he says, Anton Hector. And that's when he, when he says, well, he lies to him. And yeah. he says, no, that yeah. was my father. And then he closes the door. And then it evolves into season six, where we take up with this now, where Jerry is just driven to find out. You know, he's working with Gary Weiss's father, Dwight, now. Mm-hmm. And, and they're trying to figure out what, the association with uh, Jacques Aville. and then and then of course Marcos and Arias are murdered, and they're tr- and Jerry is trying to figure all that out. And I don't want to. I don't know if everybody's watched season six. So I don't want to give the the whole thing to be a spoiler, but it's it's very complex story. Yeah, There's it is. Really very little about Antoine Hector in this, right? But, but you have to wonder if because this is a personal situation for Jerry is Mm -hmm. is that why he's so driven or is it a combination of both because you know he wants justice served and his own family is involved in this so right yeah that's a good point we don't we don't know much about Antoine Hector but obviously his uncle and that part of his family's history has had a huge impact on him that we just didn't really know about and it definitely motivates him strongly you know to get to the bottom of it exactly and in regard to your question, I don't think it was super clear either how um, how Jerry kind of put together the, who he was in Haiti. But I do remember that one scene where he was pulling up lots of old articles on the computer and about you know the the, the problems in Haiti and everything. So I think I think we were supposed to believe that things sort of started coming together and oh he was this guy when he was back in Haiti. Now he's this Seven Eleven chain owner and there's a lot here. And then he sees them with the other guys. You know it starts to come together. But yeah, it wasn't. I, I agree. It wasn't super obvious. At least to me anyway. Thing, the other thing. Do you remember the scene where where Dwight goes to the charity? Yes. Yeah, he's been a volunteer, uh-huh. and and confronted about you know about this. Uh-huh. And Dwight tries to, um, you know, he's kind of rolling with it, and he says, "Oh, he has family in Haiti. Why do you want to do this? Well, I have family in Haiti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is your family name? And and that's when I realized that um, it's probably one of those deals where everybody really does know who everybody else is through their family connection. And I Mm -hmm. think maybe that was also part of Jerry's discovery of who this guy was. And then to me, the worst part, though, was, you know, just when they think that, you know, they finally have him, you know, the CIA Mm -hmm. swoops in. And that's the end of that. Yeah, that was that was a kicker for for sure. But it's interesting. We we know that it was, you know, part of the storytelling that I, I don't know that the, the writers knew they were going to build the story in from the very beginning. So it does kind of sneak up on us. But they are very cohesive about it because Latanya, when she's being supportive of Jerry in season five, you know, she's like, you've never told me about this. You never brought any of this all up. So, you know, they kind of kept alluding to the fact that maybe he kept this part of his, you know, life kind of tucked away and it just all sort of unraveled but in remember front of us. when he went to see the lady at the porn shop yeah uh, mama rue right that's who he went and got confirmation he got more but, scoop yep mm-hmm. right? when, you're right we didn't we didn't really hear the discussion 
right? Yeah. About, but when he said the name. Yeah, Uncle yeah. Luke, like, right? You, you yeah. knew. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't know, maybe he didn't say anything to Latanya because culturally, maybe she would not have understood. Mm -hmm. I wonder her mm -hmm, not maybe. being Haitian, mm -hmm. you know, um, and kind of who, and also who want to bring that up maybe again, oh, even though he God, didn't experience yeah. it, but just hearing, maybe seeing what his mother went through because that was her brother. Yeah. Right? Am I right? That was his mother brother, I think. Yes, yes. I right. believe so. But maybe seeing the agony and the stuff that she, you know, and him only hearing stories. So who uh -huh. to maybe bring mm -hmm. up that horrific where if she start asking questions, he couldn't answer them. All he could say, my, my, my uncle got killed. But I think yeah. that's the other part with finding a real, he probably wanted wanted justice, but wanted some answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. Very good point. Well, since you're talking, Sister Teacher, I think it's time for you to, to bring us home with okay. one of the saddest, I mean, they're all sad. You can't really compare, but I know this is a tough one for people to, to watch some of these scenes. So talk to us about Irving losing George. I think this is one of the first ones, like in season two. You know, mm -hmm. you know George was a part of an undercover for IA internal mm -hmm. affairs with trying to get corrupt cops mm -hmm. right because he left with him and pierce were partners and he did whatever he did to get i can't think of the crazy man rainer wakes thank rainer Wake. oh yeah <laughs> the license plate thing yeah yeah, right? yeah. and so you know but again bosch worked that out right so he uh -huh. can maybe go somewhere else and how he was with these undercover uh cops and trying to get them and then i don't know how they found out from his watch that it was it looked like something and they found out that he was a snitch and how they set him up but it was very gruesome to try and make it look like a a, a robbery yeah mm -hmm. but um and and just when chief irving goes in i just want to say oh. as an actor it was i felt it honestly Mm -hmm. I don't like watching that scene. No, me neither. No, I really don't. But because it was just so heartbreaking. I think um, I've only watched that twice. As much as I've rewatched Bosch in every episode, I think only two times have I actually watched that scene and I skip over it now every time. Right, yeah. And then also it tore his marriage apart. Yeah. Right, because mm -hmm. right? his wife, and I was kind of upset how she responded to him. Me like too. it was his fault. Yeah. And, and I'm like, how are you just going to leave your husband yeah. and divorce? And you, I was mad at her mm -hmm. um, about <laughs> that. Um, but it was just heart wrenching to just see that um, happening. And I think that's one of the first, like, real just tragedies. You know, Bosch went to help him with that, but it was real a real tragedy. Mm -hmm. um, with that and even though we can go on to another character that i was surprised he was the ringleader with that with those crooked cops uh -huh. but but yeah it, it was just a real tragedy i think that eleanor you know just seeing those yeah it, it was just a real tragedy well we hadn't seen a lot of vulnerability from the chief yet at that point you know in season no. two we've seen a lot of different sides of him since then um more of a you know the, the fuller picture of of the man but that was quite the contrast for what we'd seen so far and i think what got me so hard was the way he referred to him as my boy oh it just breaks my heart there we yeah are. so really it tough. was it, it was it was hard 
Yeah. But yeah, it, it was hard just how it happened. But he was so cocky also to yeah. some, sometimes. <laughs> you know, I mm -hmm. don't know if it was because my father was the chief. I'm, I, don't, I don't know. Or how much of that was playing into the, the undercover part, you know, too. Yeah, it's hard to say. And I'm guessing with the watch, I'm no expert here, but was there like a wire in the watch or something? Yeah, yeah I don't think so. They found okay. a wire in the watch. It was like his shoes and his watch, maybe something in those. Yeah, or... but what made them go look? Did they suspect it? Like, because I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't just go look in a watch, right? I don't know. But maybe yeah, what do you people think? can tell us. I don't well, know. Those crooked cops probably know what to look for. Exactly. That's right. Right. And maybe he was going to move. They were thinking about moving him to another level sort of in the organization, and that's something they maybe just always checked. I'm not sure if anything really sort of well, tipped him off wondered, or not. I wondered if maybe the, the initiation, which uh -huh. required him to, you know, pretty much strip and put the yeah. coveralls on, mm -hmm. right. was a way for them to have possession of, of his, you know, Things, yeah. watch, mm -hmm. everything that they could check for. Right. Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, they said everybody has to do it. So, yeah, right, it could just right. be part of their. Or if they wanted to bug it, maybe. I'm just thinking that yeah. now, mm -hmm. right? Maybe. Yeah. If they were thinking that that's something that they do just to test people out. Oh, that's interesting, right. too. You're always thinking ahead, sister teacher. I'm, I'm sorry. You. <laughs> I'm just about it like no, you're always like thinking that next step, like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, sure I, I, I have. I'm not sure oh. if I've ever watched a series that made me think as much as this one does. Yes, <laughs> yes. definitely. The more I watch, everyone's nodding their head. Yep. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> yes. You know, this whole uh, storyline. I don't know how everybody else did with this. I was nervous for George from the get go. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. I just had this gut feeling there was mm -hmm. an ad that was going to mm -hmm. come out of this. Me too. <laughs> so nervous yeah and you also see a vulnerable side of him too when he's uh doing push-ups in his apartment yeah mm -hmm. talking, talking to himself i can't remember exactly what he was saying to himself you know be strong or uh, yeah strong. you know you're you're uh, i'm my father's son or something like yeah. that yeah stuff yeah. like that yeah. you kind of see a little bit of vulnerabilities when you're yeah. buying rounds from people in the at the bar yeah. when he's piping up his job you know hey i got a desk job now i'm Better than you guys, type of thing. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. That was interesting. Yeah, you brought that's a. It was an but, interesting scene. And and now that I'm thinking, you would think. I wonder what made him really go and be undercover, because even though you're attractive with being the chief's son, uh -huh. but I think also that may make you a target where people may be more suspicious of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big risk both ways for sure. Yeah. Right. If you want to be on the fast track to command like uh -huh. his dad. That, that was, he, uh -huh. well, that's what he said, right? Uh -huh. I always felt like he was not seasoned enough to, yes. to be right. Yeah. involved in an operation. That's a very good point. That's a very yes. Good point, yeah. 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 Took him right out of the patrol car and you know, put him right. in the car yep. with the arsenal. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. And maybe that's why his wife was so mad. I, mean, I was just thinking know, that, yeah. Mm -hmm. If she could have had that discussion with him, because I remember her saying, he would not have did it if you didn't put your blessing, something like that, she yeah, said yeah. to him. Mm -hmm. Right. And she was in the dark about it, yeah. Mm hmm. So yeah, it, may, it hurt me too that she kicked him out, but, but you know, I, it's harder for me to see I mean, I have to think about where she's coming from, too, and so, so that's some, some good points. But, yeah, I'm just saying I, I it was hard for me, too, to see that fall apart. 
the incidence of divorce in couples when they lose a child is very yeah. high. Yeah. So yeah. that didn't surprise me at all. Okay. Yeah. 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 She was very bitter, but she was bitter yes. immediately. Immediately. Like, yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Hateful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it was no, yeah. I think that's the thing that got to me. Like yeah. he wasn't even in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Chief Irving's in a, in a hotel somewhere before his funeral. So. Right. Yeah. And has to talk, just communicate through her brother and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what? And like, I don't know. Yeah. I was, I was a bit mad at her. Even I though knew she was too. grieving, but I, I was, I was uh, upset and mad at her. I was too. Bad, bad situation all around. Well, I thank you all for, for sharing in this discussion. I know it was some, some hard stuff to talk about. And it's fictional. I get that. But we still get really invested in these characters. Yes. yes. And these stories. And, and it, it, the way the writing is done and the acting, it elicits some real emotions. But I'm, I'm glad we could sort of highlight some of these folks to sort of remember them as well because uh yeah everybody counts or nobody counts so they're they're included in that as well so we're gonna move on to an interview with richard brooks and i think you're gonna really uh get a lot out of that uh, great guy with a lot of interesting things to share so i hope you enjoy it and we'll be back with more from the everybody counts podcast thank you bye 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 guys bye. Hey, this is Richard Brooks. I play Dwight on Bosch, and you're listening to Everybody Counts Podcast. Thank you for being here, Richard. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, yeah. My name's Jay. Tracy is my wonderful cohort here. Just hey, a couple of questions for you, because we're excited to talk to you about Bosch. You ready to get going? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right, Tracy, kick us off, girl. All right. Well, your character went so long without scenes with anyone except Jerry. What was it like working with more of the cast this season? It was great. I mean, I, I'm a fan of the show myself, so uh, okay. I was just, you know, happy to be in it. I felt like I knew everybody anyway. I mean, you know, but the way the story is set up, yeah. I feel like everyone has their story. Right. Lines right. Anyway, you know, sometimes they intersect, but mm -hmm. it seems like there's a lot of stories like that. So it was, uh, I almost felt like I had my own storyline in there with, with yeah. Jerry. That was really yeah, cool. but it was great. I didn't. I mean, I didn't get to meet everybody until really the end, actually, which is kind of great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you know, so okay, okay. Yeah, but it was fun. It was definitely fun. Great, you know, great. it's it's funny. We never got to see Dwight with Gary, but you oh. did such a fantastic job the whole way through, where we could kind of feel that love and dedication that Dwight had for Gary. Can you kind of give us any? inside scoop on how an actor does that or prepares to do that so that way we can feel that without you guys ever connecting on screen yeah well it was uh we did actually we did get to connect we had to do the photo shoot uh to uh to take the family photos of us together oh uh, right right yeah. okay and that ended up actually being a, a little day that we got to know each other and uh and he's a really great guy you know he was really 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 great excellent actor and cool guy so so i kind of felt that and then i'm a father myself so i have right. you know i have two daughters i don't have a son mm -hmm. so uh, I tried to use some of that. And also, I guess I was just really thinking more about how difficult it would be to be a, a retired uh, officer, where normally mm -hmm. that would be something that I could actually investigate fully myself or really take action. And here I was on the sidelines. And so it was, it was you know, that helpless feeling of, you know, when you're trying to protect your child and then somehow you get them to a point and then it's out of your hands. There's nothing you can do, you know, and right. yeah. that fight and the powerlessness of that. And at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, having Jerry there and, 
and being concerned with him and then him also feeling a little bit like a surrogate son also so, you know I feel right like true yeah more. yeah that and definitely I, showed through yeah, yeah. so uh feeling his pain realizing mm -hmm. his responsibility and you know or feeling responsible for it so right that was you know i work with all that kind of stuff i mean and the writing the show is just so crazy the <laughs> writing is so great and yeah. uh, and sparse and, and 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 detailed and specific you know that it's it's a uh, it demands that kind of work, I think, you know. Okay, yeah. Well, you completely sold it. So much so that my next question is just about how Dwight's murder was completely heartbreaking. Mm. I remember watching with my son and husband, and I just was kind of like frozen in my recliner for a while. It, You know, in some ways, I feel like it, following the story, I should have expected it, but it still really caught me off guard. And it was just so utterly sad. What do you think? Why do you think fans felt so connected to Dwight? Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't know that fans felt, you know, that connected. I mean, that's great to hear. I was hoping that. Oh, that yeah. Happened. But yeah. Uh, I just, I think he, you know, it was, it was interesting. I think that ultimately, I think Dwight became a, an emotional anchor for, for Jerry, for Edgar. I mean, you know. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know yeah, yeah. Same way. I think the, the mother of, of, of uh, the girl who had died. <clears throat> that um, Oh, yeah, Elizabeth. Was, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I felt like at a certain point, it seemed like those two storylines of these of these sure. two parents who had lost their mm -hmm. children, and they were dealing with that, and that you know. So I, I felt that, and then it and then it was interesting though because it, it I think that I'm not sure how the how the character you know I was told by the by the producers that the character kind of became larger than they had expected initially when I first started. Yeah. Five, mm -hmm. And so I, I think as the story grew and the character took his own place in the universe of, of Bosch, it, it got to a point of what are you going to do? You know, what, what, how can you, where does the story go? I mean, how can, you know, mm -hmm. and, right. and, and how does that help Edgar in his, in his, you know, where he needs to go for the yeah. season? So I, I, you know, it was, it was very, it was great to get that far in the show mm -hmm. for that to happen to my character. But I did kind of expect that actually, you know, <laughs> A lot early on, I was like, oh, wow, I wonder if they're going to kill me. You know, I kept saying, I'm like, no, no, they want, no, no, you're a cop, you know. Yeah. They, they never kill officers and things like that. And I was like, well, I don't know. It feels like that's, you know, because he's pushing. Yeah, you could, you could kind of yeah. envision that, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And as the descent, I felt like of, of Dwight, as, as he got more more angry and more and more frustrated with the lack of action and the lack of justice, you know, I thought mm -hmm. like somebody had to die. Either he had to kill somebody or something, you know. Yeah, why couldn't yeah. he have killed Jock of Rill on the way out? That yeah, been, exactly. Why couldn't we had a big, like, huge gunfighting scene or something, and you could have taken him out on your way down? Dang it! Right, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Well, we need a yeah, we need a Jerry to do that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, a reshoot. Yeah, exactly. I know. Oh. But I did. But they had to sneak up on me, so that was the one thing. I was like, okay, you had to. Yeah. Slipping a little bit there. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. still a tough guy, I feel like, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so. Okay. Now, when, you're, when your character walked into the charity office, I don't remember what episode that was. Mm -hmm. did, did he, do you think he really knew kind of his purpose going in? Maybe how he wanted to really, how he wanted to see it play out in his mind? Yes, well, I, yeah, I felt that it was an emboldened kind of move, definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and I think it was it was it was pushing the envelope, but also I think maybe didn't realize that Jacques knew who he was like that. I think that was a that was a, a real surprise. surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that there might have been a, an instance where he could have just infiltrated them, their organization, right. got a little closer to them, and okay, and actually did more investigating, kind of going undercover. Mm -hmm. as, you know, as this humble older man. 
and that was quickly dashed, you know, when he came mm -hmm. in and knew exactly who he was. So I felt like that, you know, but I, I think the plan was definitely to just volunteer and, uh, you know, okay, and, and get more information and just decide, sure. you know, stop sitting on the sidelines and just actually go in there, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, we're not asking for any information that the writers may have told you or the directors or, you know, the show, but we're just curious if you could tell us like your personal interpretation of the note that Dweth, that Dwight left behind, or maybe what you as Richard wanted the note to mean. Well, uh, the note, the note actually was interesting because the note, I didn't, I actually didn't know the note until I saw the end of the season. Oh, wow. Okay. Well that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting thing. You know, I knew that that there would be a you know more of a payoff coming in in, in episode ten at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know exactly what the note was going to say. Okay. As I as I but the idea that Dwight would would write a note mm -hmm. did let me know that he had to have a sense that he was he was on on thing on you know thin ice. Right. There was right. a chance that this was and that and that and then I felt like the scene pri pre previously in that episode had pushed him when he was thinking about his son and the frustration and, and uh the emotion that, that came up that it was too much, you know, it had it had actually become yeah. too much for Dwight. And I felt like if, if he couldn't do something, uh something had to be done. He wasn't gonna be able to just live and let this lie. You know, mm -hmm. so I felt like the note was really dealing with with himself realizing like, hey, you know, sure if justice fails us then we have to, you know, righteous men have to have to stand up, you know? Mm -hmm. And we just can't let a wrong just go unpunished like this this blatantly mm -hmm. and just and just pass it by and uh, you know and so having the note for him i thought was was great and motivating and justifying and allowing him to do what really needed to be done which was you know what happens at the climax you know where he okay. should, he should mm -hmm. you know okay. sure. we have to get justice for this you know we just can't we can't just you know how do we go on because that is a question i think that you always have to have how do you go on mm -hmm. living with an injustice that's just eating you know eating you inside right you know i understand okay Especially when it is your job. Actually, we are the front line. You know, we are the... Right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. We are we're law and order, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Law and order. Ha, ha, there you go. Ha, you got ha, in there. We just came full circle. <laughs> yeah, there you go, uh, uh, switching gears a little bit to a little yeah. bit lighter note. Dwight's man cave seemed kind of sweet. So what's... What's your idea of the perfect space to kind of call your own? Well, you know, I... Um, I did like that man cave. That was really cool. <laughs> and uh, the owner of it, we, you know, he actually he would come out and hang with us a little bit, you know, in between uh, uh, setups and everything. Okay. So, so we kind of got the bond with him, and they were they were a great family, you know. Uh, so I, I I understood him, you know, just a man needing his sure. own, needing a little bit of space away from the family, from the thing to just, uh -huh. to be a man, to drink your beers, watch your games, you know. So to me, I mean, the only thing that was missing for me, my ideal man cave has to have a massage chair in it, you know, so. Oh, good oh, idea. Yeah. Big ones, yeah. Yeah. Sit back and vibrate and get the, uh -huh. you, know, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Perfect. I like that. I like that a lot. But yeah. that, was, that one was a cool, yeah, that was a cool man cave. That was so fun. It was very cool. Loved it. Well, I'm just curious, did you find it ironic that the writers made your character the the page turner for the organist when you are an accomplished singer yourself? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually, I, I really love that. Actually, I love that. And um, it, there was a payoff a little bit with that at the end for that last scene. Actually, that's where Dwight was coming from. It, it ended up getting cut mm -hmm. short, but actually um, I had gone by the church okay. that I was at and I had gotten the music, the sheet music from my wife and I was on the phone with her 
Right. And, and I was like, okay, honey, I'll be home. I got the, you know, I found it. Yeah. And, and, I was yeah. Down, and that was part of it. And we ended up cutting it to where I was just coming down the steps and getting in the, in my SUV. But, um, interesting. Okay. Actually, yeah, there was a little bit of payoff of just of that kind of, you know, I think, it, I think it just sort of shows a man of faith mm-hmm. uh, and, and a man of community. You know, the, the, their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I was That's really awesome. happy with that too. That when, uh, when, when that story, when she was, introduced yeah that was really beautiful and I, her performance was great too so that was really great yeah. mm-hmm. okay. but uh Love yeah it. but it is funny yeah it was funny yeah. <laughs> not be like one of the soloists huh? the <laughs> yeah it's yeah, anything about that <laughs> yeah. okay all right just a couple more for you and then we'll mm-hmm. let you go okay uh, your your role really involves so much pain and sadness kind of throughout so you know in between takes in between scenes you have any fun stories or things that you got to do yourself while you're there on set to kind of lighten the mood, have a couple laughs? Well, I, you know, the, uh, it's just a great, you know, it is a great set and, and, and all the people are really um, family, you know, there's a real right. fellowship. And then, and it's such a big cast actually too, with all the, uh, the recurrings. Mm-hmm. So uh, actually my, my favorite time was sometime lunchtime, actually when we would, you know, we might be on location yeah. and they had a great right. lunch trailer and, I would get to meet some of the other officers and the guys, you right. know, oh, cool. Cool. The, the regular recurrings and uh, just yeah. get to talk about their stories and how many episodes they had done on the show. And, yeah. And there's, you know, and speaking with, you know, with, with Titus, you know, just behind the scenes and mm-hmm. seeing that we knew Chris Nolte and the movies we had done together and just, you know, it's just okay. a lot of great senior, you know, uh, senior actors, veteran actors. Sure. Yeah. We, we all have, you know, crossed or have people in common. And so. Right. That yeah. Was actually, you know, you know, same with Jamie, you know, we had, we had worked together and, you know, met each other in New York years ago and had mm-hmm. friends in common. And so, so that, that really relieved a lot. And a lot of the directors I'd worked with. So it was just a real, you know, when you've been in the business as long as I have, you know, you just, right. you know, you, you, we love that time. I know someone on the set. And yeah. And I so, mean, food brings people together. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So lunchtime was probably the best time to get, you know. I'm, I'm glad you had that time because I don't know what it'd be like. I mean, it's your, you're a professional, but for me to imagine going around in that sort of heavy headspace so long, you know, I'm glad you got some breaks from that. Yeah, so. yeah, it was really, uh, it's just, you know, it's just with those kind of roles um, and, and that kind of writing, you know, it's just, it's, it's just what it takes to me, you know, it's just mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. the place that you have to go to make it resonate. There's a lot of subtext in the show, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's one well, we loved about it, yeah. Sure. Well, I thought Dwight looked pretty sharp all the time, but especially when he was wearing his hat. I'm not, I can't remember what you call that kind of hat. Are you a hat guy in real life? And if so, what kind do you like to wear? Um, well, I do like hats. I actually have a hat like that. I don't get to wear it as much now that I'm out in L.A. I wore it a lot more in New York. And when I was okay. in London, I got, you know, I had like my peacoat and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. uh, that was fun, but I'm, normally I'm wearing like a you know a baseball cap, like you know mm-hmm. cap or something like that. Yeah. But that cap actually, I have to admit that I was kind of feeling a little bit of a uh, of equalizer. You know, I was thinking a little bit about. There you go. Yeah. When we went through hats, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. A little cap. Uh huh. Uh huh. Got that vibe. Growing up, yeah, to my uncles and everybody in Cleveland, a little bit more of a seventies, eighties kind of vibe, you know. So uh, sure. Yeah, and I was glad. Yeah, I thought that was that was actually kind of cool. That was cool. Yeah, it was a good look, and it was good for the yeah. scene. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. He was kind of going in a little bit clandestine, you know, and right. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, 
All right, I have one more for you, and then we can let you go. So <laughs> I'm just looking at all the millions of things that you've been doing the last couple of years. You're like in 17 billion different things. The Have <laughs> Nots, Bosch, Good Trouble, All Rides. I, the, like the list is this long. What, yeah. Do you ever have any downtime? And when you do, what are you doing to relax, man? Well, you know, I mean, you know, I guess that's, that's a weird thing. I guess as you get older, you you think about all the things you, you haven't done yet, you know? Uh-huh. Sure. So then I do, as, like you said, the music, I find myself like, wow, I've, I've let that slide. So maybe I need to mm-hmm. record some songs or now during this, this uh, pandemic, I find myself thinking about writing and doing things, mm-hmm. you know, I just directed a short that, that, uh, that I finished right before this. So that now I can just send that out to some festivals and oh, nice. we, we won okay. a few festivals. We have, we weren't able to attend because everything was locked down. Right. But we won, mm-hmm. uh, my short, you know, so it was an award winning short. So now I'm an award winning filmmaker. There you go. Awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. And, uh, I, you know, I love, I love the arts. I love, you know, I love the craft. So mm-hmm. I can really keep myself busy, whether it's, you know, reading acting books or thinking about, you know, writing songs or, you know, writing scripts or, you know, things like that. So uh, most of my downtime is still kind of involved with, you know, something in that creative world. That's awesome. Yeah. I like to be creative. Yeah. When I'm not with my family or my my daughters, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate your time. Very, very much. Yeah. I really appreciate appreciate it. It's been an honor. You take care. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Talk to you. Bye. 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 Bye.